You're listening to Review and Preview on Facebook Live. Welcome back to another edition of Review and Preview, everybody. I'm your host for today's show, Kyle Russo, sitting alongside my two co-hosts, James Montefusco, and our special guest, Hank and Dichter. Guys, how you doing tonight? Good. Yourself? I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. Hank, how you doing, man? As always, thanks for bringing me on during this month of March, and uh, cheers. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, guys, before we get started, because we have an absolutely jam-packed show, <clears throat> In fact, just two days ago, Mr. James Montefusco texted me, said, hey, Kyle, what are we going to talk about this week? I said, I have no idea. And Tuesday rolled around, and now Wednesday, and we have all the content in the world. In fact, this might be one of our most loaded shows of the year of 2022. But guys, before we get started, a couple plugs first. All our viewers and listeners, make sure to give us a follow on Facebook, at Review and Preview Sports, on our Instagram account as well, at Review and Preview our Twitter account at Review and Preview 1. Make sure to take a listen. If you miss if you miss this live show here today, you're just an audio person, podcast, make sure to listen on anchor.fm slash review and preview. And make sure to go check out our YouTube channel as well, where we're uploading uh, daily, if not every other day, content all across the world of sports at Review and Preview Sports. Make sure to go like our videos. Make sure to go give us a, uh, make sure to go give us a subscribe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a jam-packed show, and what better way to start off than something that's been looming in this offseason now for the last few months, and that has been looming in the NFL world for what it seems like the last year, two years now, and that's Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is back with the Green Bay Packers. All the doubters, all the haters, including myself, I predicted he would go elsewhere. He is remaining with the Green Bay Packers. And I don't know if you guys saw this. I don't know if anything's been clarified or not. Aaron Rodgers actually posted on his Instagram and Twitter account as well that according to what was originally uh, reported, the four-year, $200 million contract that everybody was blown out of the water by uh, is not actually true, according to what Aaron Rodgers has uh, voiced in in his social media claims, that that he has agreed to come back with the Packers, but there's no set-in-stone contract Yet, but guys, based on the news of Green, uh, Green Bay retaining and Aaron Rodgers, what was your first thoughts when hearing this news yesterday? Hearing Rodgers coming back for Green Bay at, after his post was it two, three weeks ago now, yeah. I want to say, of him thanking pretty much everybody within the Packers organization. I say pretty much everybody because it wasn't everybody. Um, wasn't surprising to me, um, but. Knowing that he's back with Green Bay pretty much states, well, Jordan Love may not get a chance anytime soon, um, cool. which is 
you know, it's it's almost like a waste of talent in a sense. But I also look at it that either Green Bay has something on her on the horizon, or they just like to be a not a mediocre team, but above par, above mediocre, where they can make the playoffs every year, go to the last game before the Super Bowl, and literally like fall flat on their face. Um, there must have been some other negotiations because. I'm sure we'll cover this later, Kyle, but Devontae Adams got franchise tagged. So, yes, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. As you just said, it's not for that amount of money, supposedly. He just said verbally or whatever, saying he's coming back to Green Bay. Um, The franchise tag is only worth a year, so I wouldn't be surprised if this is a make-it-or-break-it season for him. Um, because is the four years definite or is that also up in the air as well? Well, so um, Rogers wasn't the one that got tagged. Adams was the one. No, that no, got I know, tagged. I know Adams but, was tagged, but was Rogers? Rogers, what he's alluded to is that he's back with Green Bay. But according to what he said, is that that four-year contract, two hundred million dollars, they haven't exactly negotiated a deal yet, so that's not set in stone. So that that's what I'm saying. I think it's a year for them to figure all this out because ultimately you you tag Adams, he's going to want big money. If you're going to pay Rodgers now, what where are you coming up with this money from? Oh, I mean, well listen, they're going to have money and Hank, I want to throw it to you first. Um what were your thoughts on this Aaron Rodgers news, especially about what we've cuz a lot of our videos, a lot of our shows these last couple months have been solely around the news of Aaron Rodgers and where he will go in the offseason and it turns out that place will be Good old Green Bay, Wisconsin, and and he's not moving anywhere. I mean, I I have a few thoughts regarding this. First of all, it's like, wait, wait a second. You put out this cryptic post on Valentine's Day, thanking <laughs> everybody else, thanking Devontae Adams, thanking thanking your ex fiance and whatnot, and then it looked like it was going to be like, oh, farewell post. All of a sudden, Green Bay singing, oh. Uh oh, we bet we better get this guy back. Let's uh, quick. Let's bring out two hundred dollars, two hundred million dollars for four years. There, let's keep him happy. He's staying. And my second thought is, and I said this on um, I said this on Trickling Picks yesterday or earlier today. Yesterday, you, you know what I mean. Uh, my other thought was, how are you affording this guy? Like, aren't you like pretty deep into cap hell or pretty damn close to being? in trouble with the cap and then obviously the Devonte adams question was answered because you know you know they're going to franchise it to franchise tag him if you're going to keep aaron Rodgers, and you might as well keep the second half of that dynamic quarterback wide receiver do so yeah pretty interesting i think green bay is doing this obviously because they're they they were begging him to stay because they wanted to stay relevant and you look at the division, I think really the only team that could maybe challenge them, as Tom probably is hinting at, is the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Because I don't think – we know Detroit, Detroit's Detroit. They're losers. We, we all know that. Chicago Bears, maybe. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure about them either. Could the Packers still compete, go, go at it for one more year? Maybe, but then again – Look at all those guys in the roster that you're going to have to pay. Maybe this may as well be the last shot. So it was a move that reeked of desperation, essentially, is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah, I, I felt that as well. You know, uh, again, we don't know the money set in stone yet. I think that we could all agree it's probably something like that, though. I don't know, maybe the years, but I think the money will probably be like that because I think that's what the ultimate goal was of Aaron Rodgers. I, I never felt that he actually wanted to leave. It just felt more and more like it because of what happened in the offseason. It's like, well, how do you come back to that? And then what happened in the playoff game against the 49ers, how do you come back to that? And that's why my initial reaction was, okay, he's gone. There's no way he could show face again in Green Bay. I don't know how many fans are going to want him to show face again in Green Bay. And when it was reported, it's almost like this embrace of Aaron Rodgers because, again, Hank, James, like you both alluded to, is that if you take Aaron Rodgers off this team, and that's just the impact of Rodgers' four-time MVP, is that if you take him off this team, this team is a glorified eight and nine, maybe even less than that type of team. They're not making the playoffs. Or maybe they will. Considering what the NFC has panned out to be in terms of quarterback play, they may be. They they very well may be, but not competing on the same level that they are, obviously, with an Aaron Rodgers. And I think that what I could say is this, is that if you lose out on Aaron Rodgers, I think that means it's a package deal of Devontae Adams as well. Not that they would go to the same team together, but that he would be requesting a trade as well, even if he did get tagged, which he did. But now with the the return of Aaron Rodgers, and we've talked about this a decent amount as well, and I've advocated for this as well, is that my biggest plea why I thought he was going to stick with the 49ers potentially if that was a team that he was going to go to because everybody thought that it was going to be uh, the Broncos. That was a perfect setup. And my first thought was why? You know, you're a 38-year-old quarterback. Obviously, you're an MVP, four-time MVP, recently MVP as well. But why do you want to make things harder on yourself, especially when – Tom Brady just left the NFL. Again, we don't mm-hmm. know if that's for sure yet. Got a lot of time in between, but as of now, he's a retired NFL quarterback. And now you're looking at uh, the map of the rest of the quarterbacks, right? You, you know, granted, yesterday when this move went down, in the NFC, it was just Matthew Stafford. It was Russell Wilson, obviously not anymore, but we'll get into that in a little bit. And that was really it in terms of top-tier quarterbacks in the NFC. And then maybe you have an argument for a Dak or a Kirk Cousins or a Kyler Murray, but I think that's kind of scratching the, uh, the bottom of the barrel there in terms of when we compare these top-tier Hall of Fame quarterbacks to guys that haven't won anything before. you know. And those are the third and fourth and fifth best options in the entire conference, let alone in their respective divisions. So for me, I never thought he was going to leave the NFC. But I will say that it is a surprise that he did come back to Green Bay after all the turmoil that transpired last last offseason. In fact, I looked back in our content, and I did a video last summer when all this was happening about Aaron Rodgers, and I said I did not think he was going to be back because, personally, I didn't know how you would recover from that. And he shut up all the haters with an MVP season but came short <laughs> once again. Now I think he has that easier path. I think a lot of fans sitting here today – would say bookmark it, NFC Championship game, the Rams are a screen bet. I think anything short of that would be absolutely insanity, especially looking at it. Obviously, we have to get through a draft. We have to get through a free agency. But looking at it from today, what other two teams in the NFC have solid enough quarterback play and solid enough uh, team play all around that you would consider to be the elite-level teams in the NFC besides those two? I mean, you can make the argument the Cowboys, but my, you know, my personal stance on that, they aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Um, the Vikings, I mean, Tom brings up a point. The Vikings could cause some trouble, but I don't think so. Yeah. And, and Tom bringing up another point, Devondre Campbell is gone. Yeah, he was uh, one of the best tacklers in all of football. Really clutch weapon for them on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and they're going to lose a lot of pieces, James. You, you asked where the money's coming from. 
a lot of pieces are going to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devondre Campbell's not going to be back. I think either Zedarius or Preston Smith, maybe even both, are going to be released because they're making a boatload of money. They're great players, but they're making a lot of money. You know, they would be great on our team, too. Yeah. I mean, listen, maybe if it was a better situation, we would have that argument, but I don't know how many uh, cream of the crop talents are uh, joining the the New York Giants at this point in time. Sam Cardona. Sam, thank you for commenting. Not football-related, but Aaron also broke off his engagement. There's not another person in his life trying to get him to get him to a new location anymore. That's true. I, I listen, maybe that's the point as well. I mean, the argument for him to move out west was because his his ex fiance well now ex fiance was a is is an actress, and the thought was that he'd go to California so that mm-hmm. things would be easier. Um, maybe that played a factor. Uh, who knows, right? With, with this whole Aaron Rodgers related stuff, nobody knew for two years, right? All to get us right back in the same boat, except now he. Potentially, again, not confirmed, has one of the biggest salaries, if not the biggest salary in NFL history, when all is said and done. Uh, Tom, argument for Dallas, question mark. Need to focus on winning NFC East again first. No repeat winner in forever. Uh, uh, with the quarterback playing this division, Tom, well, uh, it could be very well possible. No. <laughs> no. We'll see what transpires. I mean, we'll look, even if they do, though, how do you th- – I'm, I'm still – Good luck getting past the first or second round. That's all I'm going to say. Well, yeah, I would I would agree with that yeah. point, but I'm not saying that the NFC East is some tough division to win. I think we can no, agree with not. that. I think it's not. I'm just that. saying, James, them winning the division isn't the worst thing in the world because at the end of the day, you know they're going to end up losing anyways. Yeah, I know, but you don't want to give that satisfaction to the fan base. I mean, come on. <laughs> James, I don't think – they haven't had any satisfaction with their team since the 90s, James. I think you're not doing them any favors. I think they understand the memo by now. Nah, some of them still don't. But, but let's talk more about Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay and not go off to the NFC. So – Okay. Thank you. Thank you, my guy. I appreciate it. But yeah, no the focus on Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and the, and the NFC as a whole now and just the entirety of this NFL – the AFC we know is loaded, and as I alluded to, the NFC has really nothing. I mean, there there are divisions in the NFC that that the NFC South right now is in shambles. The NFC East, as far as I'm concerned, is in shambles. Mm-hmm. The NFC West is again. I think that's really all depends on what we see out of Kyla Murray. If that gets resolved, who knows? Really, sure. all depends upon what the 49ers do with the quarterback position. Is Trey Lance going to be a step up of over Jimmy Garoppolo? Is Jimmy Garoppolo going to return? Who knows? But I think we could all say that's the Rams division to lose at this point. The Green Bay Packers, the NFC North, that's their division to lose at this point, which I don't think is going to happen. Kirk Cousins in his Vikings time, is, as, as much as we like to maybe uh, talk about the Vikings being a serious threat, Kirk Cousins in all of his years with the Minnesota Vikings has only beaten the Green Bay Packers once or twice. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he's been there now four years. So eight opportunities is two and six. So not very good. Not very good of a record. So with that being said, it seems like the narrative with Aaron Rodgers the last few years has been Super Bowl of bust. Mm -hmm. But what does this mean for the legacy of Aaron Rodgers now at this point in time, today's day and age? What does this mean for the legacy of Rodgers? With all that has happened the last two years, does he need to win a Super Bowl? Yes. 
he can win all the MVPs he wants and win this, win that, and come up with these amazing clutch plays, amazing performances where he throws like two interceptions throughout the whole season, you know, all that good stuff that he can do. It's that final step that he needs in order to collect all of, in order to collect pretty much everything for him. He's made it to the championship games. He's done this. He's done that. He's won big time games. In my eyes, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, because of how many MVPs he's won. But if it's him versus somebody else on the ballot that has either a ring or two, the argument is going to be they have a ring or two where Aaron Rodgers never got there. He only has one ring. Yeah, yeah. But look on how many years he's had. His teams have been pretty much, as far as I can remember, very good. So for him to only still only have one ring is kind of like, all right, what what's going on? You know, you can't – like there's that wall, and yeah. he can't bust through that wall yet. Well, I think that's been the – and then I'm going to throw to Hank, and, and then we'll bring on our guests for tonight's show. That's been the argument is that they've been good, James, but they've been yeah. excellent because of yeah. how far he's taken them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this season really was all about is that, once again, he proved that they can take – he can take them to all another – heights and levels and I think this is might be one of the better teams he's had to work with over the course of the last decade since that Super Bowl appearance and Super Bowl victory but like you alluded to as well how much better can your team possibly get when you're going to have to make all these cap casualty cuts to some of your better players on the defensive and offensive side of the ball in order to pay you and not only pay you but pay Devontae Adams as well because again as long as Aaron Rodgers is there Devontae Adams isn't going anywhere either but Hank your thoughts Super Bowl or bust, Aaron Rodgers, does he need to win another Super Bowl in order to solidify his career? I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's no question in my mind Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Famer. Yeah. His place in the NFL history, for the most part, is secure. I mean, look, he was a top 10 quarterback pretty much every year in the entire 2010s decade. So his place in the NFL is secure. However, with that being said, rings matter. Rings definitely matter. And as far as the Green Bay Packers go, yeah, it's champion. It's championship or bust. You went all in just to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And that meant like, you know, giving Devontae Adams a franchise tag. But what you're also not factoring in is the salary cap space. You're probably going to lose a lot of guys after the season. And look, it's it's going to be it's another one, one of those years where they're going to be going through the same thing all over again. You're you have high expectations. You're really hoping that you can get to the Super Bowl, but then again, look at all the pressure they have with the impending free agents. Yeah, it, it, there is there is a ton of pressure on the Green Bay Packers. And like I said, even though I think Aaron Rodgers' like case place in the NFL history is pretty much secure at this point. I mean, look, Brett Favre played a long time. He only won one Super Bowl ring, but he's still considered one of the great ones in NFL history. I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers, it, it just would be nice if he could get that second Super Bowl, like as another little feather in his cap. Yeah. we. I think the expectation level for Aaron Rodgers is as high as it is, is because we've been so fortunate to watch such excellent football when he has had nothing. So when he gets a semblance of something, we expect him to get over that hump. But we'll see what happens, guys, because – I think 
all set in stone. I think he's going to be there for the remainder of his career because according to what he was saying and what was reported is that it was either the Packers, it came down to the Broncos as well, but really mulling the option of retiring as well. So, But I think he'll remain there the rest of his career. But guys, without further ado, our guest for tonight's show, Mr. Ross Allen from 4th and Long Radio. And boy, oh boy, we had Ross, we had you on, I believe in January. And you were talking smack about getting Aaron Rodgers, but I'll tell you this. No, it wasn't. I think, no, I've never been on the Aaron Rodgers I train. Think, I don't know what you're talking about. I think I think you got the I think you got the best quarterback available on the market, my friend. I think Russell Wilson is going to take you places. And I want to get your immediate reaction when you saw Russell. Well, well, tell me this, because the, the timeline of yesterday for a Broncos fan went from heightened happiness to pure depression to, hi- to heightened happiness once again jerry juju was all of us uh but you know if you want instant reaction all i gotta say is we're going to the ship we're going to the ship we're going to the come on come on come on with me i know you're giants fans you'll understand what it's like to go to super Bowl for a while but let's go <laughs> oh. <laughs> i'm sorry that was out of the pocket but let's go russell wilson because Aaron Rodgers, still technically, he's a better quarterback. Let's be real here. But in terms of longevity, Aaron Rodgers and most was going to be with the Broncos like, what, three, four seasons? Russell Wilson could be that eight-year guy. I mean, it doesn't matter who you get. I Russell Wilson, and to be honest, that trade was even horrible. You know, two first, two second. Um, it, um, Noah Fant isn't that bad of a loss. Drew Locke, obviously, not really a loss there. I am a little bit hurt by Shelby Harris because he's been one of the more underrated interior defensive linemen uh, for the past uh, few seasons now, and he's a great locker room presence. And, you know, the thing about Noah Fant is on the thing, like, like why I'm not tripping about him is because, honestly, I am a bigger fan of Albert Wegmanom anyway than Noah Fant in terms of being an actual tight end. Fant's a great pass catcher when he doesn't drop the ball. Uh, but also, he can't block. And all he does is and he gets like a penalty a game, looking like Garrett Bowles from three years ago with those two um, attributes right there. But I I could not. The last – I have not been this excited about the Denver Broncos since they won Super Bowl 50. I, I think that's very safe to say. You go from the – the man that took you to the Super Bowl in Peyton Manning against the Seahawks, lose that mm-hmm. championship in 2013 to Russell Wilson, and now get Russell Wilson almost 10 years later. What a what a circumstance timeline of Worth events. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Guys, uh, James, Hank, what, what was your guys' immediate reaction? Because me personally, I was shocked. I was shocked that Russell Wilson got traded to, of all places, the Broncos. I know they were in on some of the top-tier targets, but – I didn't think he was going to go to the Broncos. I really did not. I literally will never forget. I was like looking at all my missed texts as I was getting out of work. And then let me do, let me give you guys a complete reenaction. (laughs) What? Yeah, there you go. And then when I went in and looked at the details about this trade, two first rounders, two second rounders, a fifth, and the three players you just mentioned. I'm sorry. The Broncos completely fleeced the Seahawks. Here comes George Patton. I don't care that they got rid of two first-round picks. You look at the way that Seattle has executed the draft, they have done a very poor job at selecting in the first round, and not to mention 
the more important fact of the matter is the Denver Broncos have have now have their quarterback for the next five years. And, and you got a pretty damn good quarterback, too, with a loaded set of weapons. There is no question in my mind that is a W for the Denver Broncos and then some. So my, my question is, my, my thoughts were, Pete Carroll, what are you doing? How, how are you still allowed to have a say in the personnel decisions? That's all I want to know. Unbelievable. James, your thoughts on the Russell Wilson trade? I first saw it as, well, when Aaron got picked up, I was like, all right, now I feel bad for the Bronco fans, so yikes for them. And then I saw it, either our group chat go off or something on my watch, and I was like, wait, Russell to the Broncos? This has to be like some fake news BS stuff that comes out. Like, you know, there was just a huge trade with, there was just, you know, a big signing, supposedly a big signing with Rodgers. And now you got Russell to the Broncos. Almost on the way out. The team wasn't going anywhere. But I'm like, you know what? It's not that bad for the Broncos. And then hearing about what the Broncos lost is honestly pretty much nothing. You gained some. Yeah. You gained the experience in Russell Wilson. You gained a well, you know, already a developed quarterback. Where all you just need to do is just put him in your system, and he should be fine. And he's played in that weather, so you're not coming from some warm weather state where it's like, oh, I don't know how to handle the cold or the altitude. I mean, isn't Seattle pretty like? Isn't, isn't not a high altitude, but not a nice place to necessarily play yeah. weather wise. So, I mean, you know, you're kind of coming from somewhat of an almost similar place. I think, honestly, Broncos are going to be good this year. You know, they're going to be surprised. Like, they're, they're going to be good because they got Russell now. But I think Russell is just going to take his game up. I think after we can all contest, when a player sits in an organization for a little bit too long, it kind of, kind of gets old, burnt out, a little worn and whatnot. By bringing him to Denver, you'll see a different side of Russell we haven't seen in a long time. Now, I listen. I had the immediate reaction of this. I thought the NFC West for a long time was really, really awesome. This is probably the again, and I've only been watching football for closely for the last ten plus years, maybe. But this is probably the best division I think I've ever seen. When when you talk about the likes of seeing matchups between Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes two times a year, or yeah. Russell Wilson and Derek Carr two times a year, and Justin Herbert versus Russell Wilson two times a year, that competition is elite. And that's going to be one in hell of a quarterback uh, quadruple uh, division for the next five-plus years, like Hank alluded to, because I don't think any of those guys are going anywhere as far as I'm concerned. But to talk about this trade individually, I think we've all come to the consensus that this was such an awful trade for the Seahawks. And I know, Ross, I, I know you talked about Shelby Harris and that being a loss, but he's 30 years old. I know he was one of your better pass rushers as well because he finished off the season last year with six sacks, and that was something that you guys – didn't necessarily have with the absence of Bradley Chubb in and out throughout the season. Once you traded Vaughn, you didn't have that. Uh, although I think Vaughn is going to make that return you were talking about probably two months ago. I think it's going to happen. But let's not t- get too hyped. But Russell Wilson to the Broncos is such a perfect fit. This might be the best team situation that he's ever had. And when you break it down, you might be saying to yourself, Kyle, what are you talking about? He went to the Super Bowl back-to-back years, had a great team. When you really break those teams down, They had really good run play and terrific defenses. They didn't have the greatest of 
O-lines, and they didn't have the greatest uh, special uh, core receiver players like this team has. This team has plenty of wide receivers, and each one of them can kill you on the field defensively. Like K.J. Hamler, I am psyched to see him back. Cortland Sutton, psyched. Thank you. First uh, off, um, Jer- I just want to interject because I'm so glad you mentioned K.J. Hamler. So many people have forgotten about him. He, I I, he's really going to – that dude, I mean, if you remember him at Penn State in the limited time we've seen him in the league, unfortunately, towards ACL early last year, that whole wide receiver core has the ability to take the roof off the defense. And let's, I think Russell Wilson has a little bit of underrated arm power. Oh, he yeah. can heave a deep ball, and he he's been heaving the best it. deep ball in football. But he he's literally heaving it from sea level. Now he's a mile above. He can throw the. He's going to throw that ball over the mountains. I swear, man. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you this. I'd say right now, set in stone. Um, KJ Hamler, if he stays healthy, has the opportunity to become that Tyler Lockett that has been yes. that case the last yes. like six, seven years with the Seahawks. That's how talented I think Russell Wilson and that connection will be. But now yeah. Javante Williams, that O-line in Seattle was never the same after they traded Max Unger for Jimmy Graham. Now you have a talented offensive line in Denver. You have a new school offensive coordinator who's now your head coach in Nathaniel Hackett, who just came from a system with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers to now, you know, Leaving Seattle for Russell Wilson, leaving a Pete Carroll is a great coach, but on 68, 69 years old, pro- I, I don't even know what's going to happen with him. I don't know if he's going to be around for a rebuild, to be quite honest with you guys. But And then the defense, Ross, the way they were playing the second half of the season, they fixed that pass rush a little bit. That's a top five defense in football, hands down. Mm-hmm. The secondary, you know, is legit. It's just a matter of health. And poor Vic Fangio, man. All he was praying for was a quarterback, and they finally did one two months after they found they uh, they traded for one. But this team, guys, my next question to you guys, where does this team, because like we talked about, one of the most talented team now because of what Russell Wilson tightens you to, where do you even rank them in the division amongst all these other great towns? We talk about the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl champions, back-to-back-to-back-to-back AFC champions, AFC champions. We talk about Justin Herbert and the evolution of where they could go, especially with the cap space in which they have to work with this offseason. And Derek Carr, who I think through a lot of adversity last year, proved a lot to a lot of people in the NFL. And, and to see what maybe a Josh McDaniels can do with that offense and a Patrick Graham, guys we know very familiar with Patrick Graham, can do with that defense that has been so putrid for the Raiders the last couple of years. So where do you rank the Denver Broncos right now in their division and then as a whole in the AFC? Ross, I'll throw to you first. Right now, taking the bias out of it, they, I would still put them as the second-best team in the division. Um, right there behind the Kansas City Chiefs, you got the Chargers third, Raiders last. It's been a battle between the Raiders and the Chargers for last place for the last few years. Um, but the funny thing with the Chargers is that the Broncos, we all know about the Broncos' recent struggles with the Chiefs. They haven't beat them for like you know four or five years at least. Um, they don't have they have the opposite of that problem with that um with that against the Chargers, the Chargers can't beat the Broncos on the road or um, at home. So that's so on the road again is what I mean by that. Um, and the Broncos really do have the ability to be the best team in this division. If you take a look at where they were last year, um, you take out the offense. They were they had one of the best defenses in the league the entire season in terms of scoring. Their offense really wasn't horrible and it was limited by an average quarterback in Pat Shermer. Oh yeah, I'm, yeah. And luckily, I can speak to the crier when it comes to Pat Shermer with the with the New York boys. It's uh, oh, he sucks. I'm so glad he's <laughs> gone. 
because none of this whole offseason wouldn't have mattered if they kept him because he's like the only guy that could really stop this offense right now with his horrible play calling. But the Broncos have the best run game in the division. They have the ability to have the best pass game in the division. I think they had the best defense in the division already. It's going to come down to that pass. Um, It's almost impossible for them to not improve on their special teams, which was atrocious last year. Luckily, it wasn't bad as the Packers, but that's really not saying a whole lot. The Broncos had the ability to wrestle – Russell Wilson, I mean, one thing that Broncos fans have been saying for like the last three years, man, we're, I swear, man, we're just a quarterback away. But I think we finally can see the reality of that statement and prove that we're all not just crazy and grasping for any sign of hope because the Broncos have been hopeless <laughs> the last ever since they won the Super Bowl. But they can be they can be up there with that. They can be competing with the Bills, with the Chiefs for the best team in the AFC this year it's obviously it's all about you know on paper they're there we're going to see what happens when they actually play um of of course that's a whole different story but especially if on the defense they're able to bring back von miller they're able to re-sign josie jewel keep him there in the middle linebacker who was killing before his torn peck and the broncos have all the cap space now they're a very highly ranked destination for any free agent jc jackson is Obviously up on the board. Um, I think that Jamie Pickett is well just cut from the Cardinals. And hell, we might even see a Seahawks reunion with Bobby Wagner. The Broncos have the ability to do, to do so. They that would have, be sick. That would would, be sick. Wouldn't that be unreal? If you could, if you could bring back Vaughn and bring in Bobby too, Oof. oh, that would be that seems scary. What wouldn't be fair is if they, they probably won't be able to bring all three, but bring in J.C. Jackson, Bob Miller, Bobby Wagner. That's fancy. That, that's fancy, but that would be – that might be better than the 2015 defense. I think you guys are okay at the corner because you got Sertan and you also got uh, Darby, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But if you bring Vaughn and Bobby in there, that is – I don't care what people cool. say. I don't, I don't care if they're over 30. That is that is filthy. That that's is re- filthy. That, that's like a Madden like a Madden ultimate team right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but guys, where for, for James and Hank, where does this – now put your mind, your perspective into how highly you look at this Denver Broncos team, not only in the division, but in the AFC as a whole. Because as we've alluded to uh, numerous times now, all the talent in terms of quarterback play now lies in the AFC. There's really only two legit quarterbacks in the NFC as far as I'm concerned. Well, for starters, I think this trade gave me the feel of the LA Rams trading for Matthew Stafford. Because when they traded for Matthew Stafford, at the time, it looked like a big gamble. And and it was a big gamble because in in the grand scheme of things, they gave up a lot of picks for both him and Goff over the course of the past 10 years. But at the end of the day, if the L.A. Rams showed you anything, if you're willing to take that risk, make that big trade to get that star quarterback, then you know what? It's possible. And now... The Broncos, they did a similar thing, although I think they gave up – I think, in my honest opinion, I think they gave up less than what the L.A. Rams really gave up for Matthew Stafford. Yeah. They made a trade that essentially could very well put them over the top. Now, as far as with the division, could they overtake Kansas City? I'm not 100% sure. I think Patrick Mahomes is always going to be a threat. He's still a talented quarterback. But with that being said, 
I don't think them competing with Kansas City is out of the question, nor is it out of the question if they go against, say, the Buffalo Bills and, you know, and everybody else in the AFC. I think that now puts the Denver Broncos as an automatic team in the conversation for Super Bowl contenders and in an AFC that, quite frankly, is pretty loaded. Agreed. James, your thoughts? Uh, Hank, I do have to disagree with you um, about Kansas City. Kansas City's on such a decline, and I no, I, they are. You I'm know, not ready to call. Everybody's <laughs> kind of like, oh, Pat Mahomes <laughs> is still there. You know, this, that, and everything else. Please, he had to tell his fiance and his brother to not go to games anymore. I mean, that's an embarrassment. Well, was that they're, actually they're, confirmed? They're, yeah, they're was, actually, that, was that legit or not? They're they're cap heavy where they won't be able to pay their star studs, wide receivers, defensive ends, either this year or next year. So ultimately they're on a decline because Pat Mahomes has so much money. Um deserved, but you know, he's he's it's gonna hurt him down the line. The Broncos is it they're a team that nobody's gonna expect. Yeah, you got Russell Wilson, but they're there's not they nobody's gonna expect anything major right away. We saw what how Matthew Stafford turned the Rams around. I get that same vibe from it, but I do see that Matthew Stafford walked in. Um, Ross, correct me if I'm wrong, but Matthew Stafford walked in with a halt. He had Cup, he had Odell, he had Woods, and so we well, didn't have Odell down. right away, but yeah. yeah, yeah, but he had an abundance of top wide receivers, and he had some of the best defensive players exactly in the, in the, so in the if, game. Russ, if you guys add the Wagner, the Miller on back to your team, then you're going to be scared. But right now, I do think they're going to be a top contender, but they're going to be in some games fighting for a win. They're fighting for that top spot, just on how tough that division is alone at the moment. Well, of course. The funny thing, though, is that they're, we can all agree the Broncos were not great last year. But no. they still played the Chiefs. They they might have been bad games, but they still played the Chiefs close. close. Yeah, they played the Chiefs really close last year, which surprised everyone. They still lost, so you know, end of story. But if they were that bad, but played those close of games, I guess. I mean, football math is you know, you, not all. It, it's not always a sure thing, mm-hmm. but. That gives me a lot of hope. And it was also with Pat Shermer calling plays where you have where you paid Cortland Sutton a fantastic wide receiver, a lot of money, and then you go ahead and you put his hand in the dirt on the line of scrimmage. Freaking moron. I hate him. Um, but that's besides the point. He's it's over. <laughs> it's okay. Giant fans feel your pain about that guy. It's so bad. Like <laughs> I still can't get over that. Ross, like, it's over. It's over. Now brighter days ahead. Brighter days. <laughs> Thank ahead. you. But, but uh, I, I got to stop thinking. Pat, Pat lives in my head rent free, and it, it sucks. <laughs> I want to get to a bunch of comments here, and then I'll give my thoughts on the uh, trade, what this means. Um, let's, see, let's jump to this one first. Noah Dodlin. Noah, thank you for always commenting, man. Noah's a consistent. Uh, he's almost like a guest at this point on our show, typing in the chat the way that he does on a consistent level from 7 to 9 every Wednesday night. Imagine being Derek Carr with no scrub by any means and still the worst quarterback in the division. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's tough for Raiders yeah. and Raiders fans. If anybody's been through more treacherous and torturous times than Dallas Cowboys fans, it's definitely the Raiders. Yeah. Definitely Raider fans. Uh, Tom Scavetta, Noah, to be fair, you currently have the best quarterback in the NFC South. Congratulations on that. I think he's talking about Noah's Matt Ryan. 
know as a Falcons fan. Yeah. Tom, you're not wrong, but that is a lower bar than a game of limbo between a colony of ants. <laughs> I love Noah's the best, man. He's great. He's he's the best. Um they were third in points allowed last season. Russ with those skills would be a playoff team, no doubt. Even if they finish third in the division, they should still be a wild card team. Uh mm-hmm. depends if the Chargers get their head out of their ass and stop wasting <laughs> Herbert or not. Pat Shermer makes Dan Quinn look like Bill Parcells. Uh, <laughs> if Denver doesn't easily have a top five, top ten offense next year, something is very, very wrong. Um, and this is where I kind of agreed with Noah. Uh, I said it earlier. I got to be honest. People joke about Denver missing out on Rodgers, but I take Wilson at this point over Rodgers solely because of the age difference. Yep. I'd say that 100% true. Mm-hmm. And, guys, my thoughts about where Denver ranks right now, and, James, I understand where you're coming from with, with adding the defensive piece and being scary. This is where my mindset is at. What we saw last year out of probably the, I don't want to say the, the competent teams within the AFC um, within the AFC West, but when you look at each team, right, break them down, the Chargers, they were great offensively, and like Noah alluded to, kind of wasting a Herbert. Their defense is so bad. They have the money to, they have the money to make it better. They have yeah. the money to make it better, and they have the draft picks to make it better. But it was so bad, I don't know if you can turn that around in one offseason. And along with the fact that if you saw in games, late in games especially, even though their defense was terrible, they weren't losing games because of that. It was because Brandon Staley was playing horrible play calling down the stretch and losing them games. Who knows if that's going to change? Especially in a division like this, you can't afford to be making those same play calls. You look at the Raiders, I think they're a great team. I think they have a lot of work to do. They need a lot of number one receivers. They need need a whole revamp on the offensive line. That whole defense – Needs a whole touch-up completely, and I don't think you do that one offseason. And now you break it down to the Chiefs and the Broncos. You look at the Chiefs right now, that front four, front seven, is really nice on the defense. And James, like you alluded to, a lot of money in that offense. We understand that. But where I'm looking at, and this is where I think it's a it's an asset to the Denver Broncos and why I think that, again, where I agree with Ross that the Chiefs, until being dethroned, will be the number one in the AFC West, is that, like we've all talked about, Russell Wilson has one of the best deep balls in the league, and the Kansas City Chiefs have no secondary. Tyron Matthew is gone. Javarius Ward is gone. Who do they got out there in that secondary right now? You got uh, Daniel Sorensen, who got gashed numerous times throughout the season the last couple of years. You have nobody. I think in that they secondary. just signed Casper the Friendly Ghost. Point, point being, <laughs> you have nobody out there. The biggest question with me in this Denver team, which a lot of people I don't think are, are highlighting because like Ross, you alluded to on paper, it's a beautiful scheme of things. I think that it could translate very nicely and maybe even have the high hopes of overtopping a Kansas city chiefs. My biggest concern is this is that every receiver that they have, that everybody talks in such high regard are some of the most injury prone players in the entire NFL. They're never healthy. They're never healthy. Now they got a quarterback now that's, that has never been historically hurt with it, really the exception of last season, which was, even when he was hurt, diagnosed with an eight-week injury, came back after three, four weeks. That's just Russell Wilson. Lo- love that you got him as a quarterback. Wish, you know, wish something like that for the Giants. But another story, another day. Um, <laughs> but they got to be healthy first. You could have all the great weapons in the world. If anything, we've seen as Giants fans, we've had some fantasy-ranked offenses before on paper. <laughs> Nothing translated because they weren't healthy to be on the field yeah. for numerous games and be consistent. And I think that's the biggest question mark with this Denver team 
is that you know what you're going to get in the scheme with Nathaniel Hackett. It's going to be revamped. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be great. Russell Wilson is going to show up every game to play like it's his last. That's just the skill competitor inside him. Javante Williams, Ross, every single time that we have had you on, I have highlighted Javante Williams because I think he is one we'll of keep the doing better up-and-coming backs keep doing in the NFL. He's a bowling ball and trucks over people. He's like an A.J. Dillon that I think you could give him number one running back snaps. A bowling ball, runs over people. That's what I see in a Javante Williams. And you could use him as a catch passer out of the backfield. You just have to – if you could tell me that these weapons are healthy right now, I would tell you this. I would say right here and now that the Broncos are going to win that division. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, with each and every one of their NFL careers, whether it's Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, he's been only two years, and he's torn his ACL twice in those two years. They're just not healthy. They're just not healthy. And that's the biggest question mark with this Denver team right here and now. But I love this trade for the Denver Broncos because they got this solidified quarterback. No more Brock Osweiler. No more, no more Paxton Lynch. No more Drew Locke. No more Teddy Bridgewater, who I like a lot. But Russell freaking Wilson. No more and Trevor Simeon. Take, uh, no more Trevor hey, Simeon. The only problem is that Russell Wilson is still not the most elite quarterback that they've had since Peyton Manning. Because, of course, that goes to the everlasting Joe Flacco. The, oh, the most elite quarterback. I forgot that they had Joe Flacco. They had Joe Flacco. Case Keenum. Don't forget about Case Keenum. I forgot about Case Keenum. They also had um, – Oh, what's the uh, dude that played for the Jets? Ate the hot dog. Um, man, what, why can't I remember his name right now? Um, ate the hot dog. Mark hey, Sanchez. Hey, Mark Sanchez. That's the that's the one. Ate the Mark hot Sanchez. Dog. Yeah, he got in. You remember, like he got in trouble for eating a hot dog on the sideline. It's, well, to 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 be clear, to get this all out and sum it all up, it's been a rough. Six, seven years in terms of quarterback play in the Denver Broncos organization. But, Ross, I think and we could both say that, that that problem has been solved. I think so. I think the Broncos have handed the reins of the true quarterback carousel to the Indianapolis Colts. Congrats, guys. Have fun in purgatory where nothing good will ever happen. <laughs> Ross, we, we got a question earlier from uh, – Tom, and I wanted to pull it up after we kind of highlighted the conversation, some of the main points, but just some specific stuff to get into. Tom wanted to ask, uh, discuss the pairing of Russell Wilson and Hackett now. What do you expect uh, to see out of this tandem now? Again, we've only really seen uh, an older system with a Pete Carroll. Now you you, you jump to a, what, a 45-year-old, 46-year-old, new up-and-coming offensive talent that's now your head coach? Well, what do you expect to see out of this tandem? I expect greatness, man. <laughs> I re- I really do. I, this is such a – if Russell Wilson was going to go to any team in the league, the Broncos are the place to go when it comes to supporting cast, when it comes to the defense um, opposite of him, when it comes to the coaching staff in this scheme. This can be a – we really I, – I, I do think Nate, Nate Hackett in his offense can unleash – a Russell Wilson that we have yet to see in the NFL, that we've yet to see at his peak. Russell Wilson, I don't think he's peaked yet. I really don't. He has so much potential coming to here because he he's a mobile quarterback, but he's bent. The only problem is he's had to be mobile because his offensive line is nothing but nothing short of a turnstile when it comes there. They haven't been able to keep him upright. He's been mm-hmm. running. He, 
His last four seasons have looked like Patrick Mahomes when he was the one that she's played the Bucks in the Super Bowl. All he's doing is running around, running backwards, running side to side, and getting his ass ran down for you know a second half after the ball snapped. They're going to have the improved offense line in front of him. Of course, they, I would still like for them to attack a right tackle in uh, free agency or in the draft. That would be awesome. But they're still building up good stuff there. They haven't had a run game like Javante Williams can provide. Javante Williams, really, I mean, I, I want to talk Nate, Nate Hacking and Williams. He he can make him a top five running back. Will he be? That That's, of course, I, I um maybe that's a that's a maybe but you know top eight at least the top 10 running back that is Javante Williams right there I could see the Broncos just taking the roof off of defenses especially when they're playing at home they have the speed they have the size they have the inside threats Mm -hmm. there as well and I, I do think Nate Hackett is going to bring out the best of Russell Wilson more than we've ever seen with Pete Carroll. And that's no offense to Pete Carroll because he's a fantastic head coach. But um, to quote um, the great show, Malcolm in the Middle, the future is now, old man, and that is <laughs> Nate Hackett. I like that. I like that. Got a couple more comments to get to, guys, and then I want to kind of quickly analyze because with every trade – there comes another party, and that would be the Seattle Seahawks, which people are uh, making the meme of the day at this point in time right now. Uh, a couple more comments to get to. Uh, Russ will boat race the charter defense. Agreed. Uh, Kansas City signs rookie safety. Thompson <laughs> to a 10-day contract. Uh, Eli Apple is ready to test the market. Teams are lining up as we speak. Uh, Broncos got a B second year running back while Atlanta's best running back last year was a bust wide receiver, <laughs> only the Falcons. Um, Wilson has never had a good O-line at all and still had the second most wins in a quarterback's first 10 seasons ever. So, guys, before we move on, quickly analyze this Seahawks deal right now. I don't know if Pete Carroll is going to coach this season. Personally, I, I don't think he will. He, he doesn't have the age to be around for a rebuild and let alone the patience. It's one thing to not only give up on your franchise quarterback, but to give up on one of the best defensive players that has ever played for you who is yet to slow down. So for you to have released them means you're in a complete rebuild mode. But the Seattle Seahawks in this trade, two first-round picks, as we alluded to, doesn't mean much because historically they can't draft well. Two second-rounders, a fifth round, three players, Drew Locke, who questionably, I don't even know if he's going to be in the NFL a year or two from now, just based on what we've seen in his starting play. Maybe he'll be a backup. Shelby Harris, who, again, is a 30-year-old defensive end, and that defense is really has nothing on that defensive side of the ball. And they had uh, a Noah fan who, again, is a good player. He's pretty much always in, injured. Is not a good blocking tight end. Good pass catcher when he's on the field. But, again, they already have a tight end, Gerald Everett. In fact, they, they, they signed one in free agency just last year. So when you break down the Seattle Seahawks trade, and this was something that I, I've been seeing all over Instagram, all over Twitter, all day which is mind-boggling to me. The Seattle Seahawks would give up two first-round picks to get a safety in Jamal Adams, but they let Russell Wilson walk out the door for two first-round picks as well, which is mind-boggling to me. But, guys, what is the future of the Seattle Seahawks team? Because, for me, I think this is going to be a huge blow-up. I, I think within the next coming, coming days, I think we're going to either see DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett get traded. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those are probably your two cornerstone pieces, notable pieces on this team as far as I'm concerned, because – like we've all kind of alluded to, Seattle Seahawks last couple of years have been deprived of talent to get Russell Wilson and that team to the next level in which we saw just five, six, seven years ago when they were competing for Super Bowls. 
Well, that's what happens when you get rid of a lot of your first round picks over the years. So with that being said, Kyle, my thoughts on the Seahawks. Kaboom. Yeah. Rebuild. And also, this is random, but guys, doesn't it make you feel old that there's nobody left from the LOB on the Seahawks anymore? Yeah. I saw mm-hmm. that. I saw that today. Bobby Wagner was the last one. I didn't even realize. Yeah. But um, that's insane. That defense, I remember. That was when I really first started getting the football, too. That was and a that Seattle defense. defense was was so elite with Cam Chancellor and Cliff oh. Averill and Michael yeah, Bennett was... and Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, Richard Sherman. Lord, that was when I was in high school. That defense was yeah. so stacked. It's all good. That 15-16 Broncos defense was still better, but they were fantastic <laughs> in their own right. <laughs> no bias. Mm, yeah, no, sure. Whatever you say. <laughs> but guys, have come to the consensus that I think we could all agree upon the fact that this is going to be a complete rebuild, and especially in a division like the Seattle Seahawks are in. They have that, I believe, Ross, one of those first-round picks is that ninth overall selection that Denver was holding in this year's draft. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do with that pick. Uh, some have alluded to the fact they might select Malik Willis, but I've seen uh, just in the comment section something that's been trending. Um, where do you think? Where do you guys think Deshaun Watson will end up? I see maybe a Seattle Seahawks. I don't know if I see any team necessarily trading for a Deshaun Watson until everything kind of clears up a little bit, uh, especially after what we saw with the Washington Commanders today, which were alluded to be one of the primetime favorites to land a Deshaun Watson, and they just – go all in on a Carson Wentz, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, But yeah, guys, complete rebuild for this Seahawks team. And it's, uh, it's the end of an era. It's the end of an era. It's crazy. Cause that was, that was probably one of the most fun teams to watch when I was growing up. No doubt about it. You know what the sad thing though, about that era though, is for them, that was their best era in franchise history. They finally won their first Super Bowl, but yet they're remembered more for something that they didn't do them what they did do and i think y'all know what i'm talking about if they ran the ball on that one yard line hank and win the super bowl i will tell you this i think the seattle seahawks win a couple more super bowls after that i I think the Mm -hmm. momentum of that and the mindset after that you're i don't think players will lie about it i I don't think you're ever able to mentally recover from something like that I, i i don't think you are i don't think it's possible i think that's one of the most historically notable plays in nfl history and it's because that was the ultimate demise of an entire franchise, really. In yeah. terms of like just wild plays, I probably put that one up there in near the top with how oh, was it the 99th Super Bowl between the Rams and the Titans? Oh, with, yeah, Dyson, well, Dyson, one yard short. half yard line, one yard short. Yep, that yeah, was January 30th, 2000. Yep, but that was being one yep. yard short. This is a first, no, this is a first and goal, and you choose to throw it on the one yard line. This is. In, in terms of pain, man, those have to be two of the most That's excruciating painful. plays to, to, to watch in history. And maybe besides also the Cardinals, was it the was it the Heinz Ward toe tap in the back corner of the end zone? That was Santonio Holmes, right? Santonio. Santonio, Santonio Thank you. Holmes. And also yeah, in that same also- game, you have James Harrison return it back for like the longest uh, defensive return touchdown in NFL history. Well, that's the greatest play I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it definitely ranks up there, guys, but Ross, I want to. If you are able to stay, I want to get into the other quarterback that got traded today, and I want to get your thoughts upon it because this might be one of the most active off seasons that we've had in a while in terms of quarterback movement. I would love to talk about this. <laughs> so Carson Wentz, who 
got basically kicked out of Indianapolis, let's just say it bluntly, was was a big reason why they underachieved last year. I was on the Carson Wentz bandwagon saying that this was going to take the Colts to the next level, and they looked like that midway through the season. And then you lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are now picking number one overall back-to-back years in a clutch game in which would have sent you to the playoffs um, as the final game of the season. I think that was kind of the last chapter of the Carson Wentz Colts era, to say the least. But guys, new chapter opened, and new chapter opened for both teams. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on it first, because I know there's been a lot of jokes uh, about Carson Wentz to the uh, the Washington Commanders. But in terms of quarterback play in the NFC, this might actually be good enough to do something. But guys, Ross, your thoughts first on Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. I, I just I'm gonna plug the hell um not even um no shame in this one, especially because I gotta say I did a show a couple two and a half weeks back, you know, just talking about Lane Spots and quarterbacks. Yeah. And you can check this out on on my Twitter and Instagram. I tweeted about this. It was I perfectly called Carson Wentz to the commanders. And yeah. I am very, very happy about it because it, it just makes sense. It's a disappointing quarterback. And he said to one of the most disappointing franchises we've seen in the league today. They have one of the most disappointing performances. They have one of the most disappointing front offices. They have an extremely disappointing name announcement. They have a disappointing um, you know, rebranding and uniforms. And everything about them is just lacking. So why not bring in a bland and lacking quarterback in Carson Wentz? It was just a match made in heaven. It, that's exactly what happened here. If you take a look at the trade, the <laughs> commanders got fleeced. And they're also on the hook for Carson Wentz's contract as well. Damn. Heineke's not even that bad. You should have just rolled with him. Well, to be, to be fair, and then I'll throw to you guys as well, Heineke kind of proved towards the latter part of last season, and even in the beginning of last season, is that as much as that miracle run was in almost beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs a year ago, you, you could see that he, he could not be a starting quarterback that but you could count that, on. For that Wentz price tag, a little bit too much. The, if they want to trade for a quarterback, they could have gone one a lot cheaper in the almighty Gardner Minshew, who's beyond underrated and could be a starting quarterback. Guys, your thoughts on Carson Wentz, who uh, we will now be seeing as Giants fans uh, for Again. the next couple years. Again. Again. <laughs> hey, we get to we get to play him twice a year. I'll take that. I think Washington. Oh my gosh. I think I was trying to think of a good comparison to what that's like, but you know what? I think our buddy Noah Dibler said it best. Washington having to settle for Carson Wentz after it's like got a new Ferrari and getting a huge soccer box station. No, that might be one of your better comments that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, no, you. I, I agree. It's not not the best. I think that was another move that reeked out of desperation. You you gave up. Sure, on the surface, you gave gave up a few third rounders, but you're taking a quarterback who, let's face it, has only had one great season. That was 2017, and ever since that injury, he's never really been the same. And now you're taking on his whole contract. Washington, what are you doing? That's another example of a poorly run NFL team. James, your thoughts on uh, Carson Wentz revisiting well, the NFC East once again? I'm more. Uh, I I I will uh, give my thoughts, but I am ready to hear your thoughts, Kyle, because 
the Commanders are your closet football team. But we'll hold off. Sorry. (laughs) So, so I, so I I read a little bit into this, and this this is what was mind-boggling to me. This came down to the defining um, point. So, Ross, give a little love to the Commanders as well. Russell Wilson was more likely than not going to be a Washington Commander, but Washington refused to add a Chase Young in that deal. Now, Chase Young is a very, very talented player. Don't get me wrong, second overall pick, but. I think that move is going to haunt them for, for you, a long time. Sorry, man. You absolutely trade Chase Young for Russell I know, Wilson. I know, I know. Absolutely I know. do. I, I, I would 100% too. I'm glad you're on that boat too because you, I mean, Chase Young, he's a he's a great talent, but my, I love my co-host Alex. He's been right on the spot where he's been calling him overrated ever since like halfway through his rookie season, which mm-hmm. he kind of is. He's he's a good player. Like Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not calling him bad. But for all the media attention love he gets, he's a he has a very shallow tool bag when it comes to pass rush. He's a great leader, he's athletic, but when it comes to actually getting getting to the quarterback, which is what he's going to get paid to do, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, listen, we'll see what happens. Had a tremendous rookie season and, and second year obviously fell short towards ACL last year as well. So we'll see how he comes back from that. I completely forgot about that too. That might have been even even a bigger incentive to potentially maybe even trade him to, to be that that was the fact that this is a guy you didn't want to trade when your entire defensive line is already stacked. This guy's coming off a huge injury to a defensive end, and he's only a second-year player. That, that's actually a big decision that came down to not trading for Russell Wilson. But my thoughts on Carson Wentz in this deal, I, I, I'm at split ends. I think that when I break it down, I agree with you guys. 99% of what you guys are saying. I think this is a desperation move. I think that this is probably not the right move. This is going shopping as, as, as Noah alluded to shopping for a Ferrari and coming home with the, with the station wagon. This is, this is what this is. And when you look at it in Indianapolis, everybody was saying that was the dream scenario, right? Frank Reich was the Carson Wentz quarterback whisperer. That was going to be the guy. If that guy couldn't make it work, why is why is Ron Rivera and, and I don't I don't know who's running their offense right now, but whoever that is going to make it work. On top of the fact, when you break down the two offenses, Indianapolis has way better protection on the front mm-hmm. with the offensive line. I like Antonio Gibson a, a lot, but Jonathan Taylor in year two proved that he may be the best running back in all of football, so it doesn't have that support. Kind of a similar situation in a Terry McLaurin, uh, Michael Pittman kind of category. Only really one wide receiver to really throw to only really one player to necessarily throw to and Washington. What we thought two years ago was a really, really great defense in this past season was a horrendous defense. Indianapolis, not so much state is I think the best defense in all of football in terms of the run stop and the passing game. So you're downgrading a lot from Indianapolis to Washington with the Carson Wentz. Now me being a devil, a devil's advocate here, Again, I, I said in almost all the trades that we talked about and all the quarterbacks that we talked about so far, there's no quarterback town in the, NF, in the NFC, guys. It's not going to take much skill to get you many places in the NFC. Now, I'm but, not saying Carson Wentz is going to be in the NFC championship game because of how lower level the quarterback play is and how lower level the team play is. But I'm saying this, and even Tom is joking about it, 
Washington football team will low-key win the NFC East. That's what I'm saying. See, the, the talent is not there in the NFC at the quarterback play for it to really be so far-fetched to say, well, hey, why can't Carson Wentz win the NFC, uh, win the NFC East? Why can't he? I mean, really, realistically, when you break it down, I saw uh, I saw a meme today. When you really break down the quarterback play of the NFC East, uh, somebody posted Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, and Jalen Hurts in the in the same division, and and they put in the caption a, a Trayvon Diggs uh, dream scenario: ten plus interceptions, easy said than done. But really, realistically, forget about the NFC East. The NFC as a whole, it's not going to take that much to win. And that's why I think that when you look at quarterbacks in this league, that's the hardest position to find. I'm not saying Carson Wentz is a long-term answer, but in the immediate right now, that will win you games, and that may give you a playoff berth. And I think that's where Washington is at, especially after losing out on a Russell Wilson. See, I, I agree with you in an extent, and I agree with Tom. They could low-key win the NFCs. Does Carson Wentz stay healthy? I mean, he did in Indianapolis. He did in Indy. Part. He did in Indy, but he's back in the NFC East where he's been injured before. Not that I'm saying that's the reason. But also, I, I just don't see him staying healthy the full season this year. Well, I mean, listen, man, you can't plan on injury, right? If you no, planned I mean, on injury, we, we could already predict the Super Bowl if that was the case. But <laughs> it's not. And because of that, I know what I'm saying may be a little outlandish and maybe a little too far-fetched. I'm probably going to eat my words come December and January of the end of this year and the beginning of next year. But again, I think there's an argument to be made that if you're comparing and contrasting quarterbacks, outside of Matthew Stafford and outside of Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback playing field is really even. You know, you have a Kyler Murray who's been inconsistent and injury-prone. You don't even know if he's going to be with the Cardinals the way things are panning out with his contract discussion. You have Dak, who Dallas is literally completely collapsing, planning on releasing an Amari Cooper, planning on releasing a Demarcus Lawrence, dealing with uh, a running back who's aged and injury-prone on a $100 million deal, and Dak Prescott, who got a huge deal and has yet to win in clutch moments and perform in clutch moments. It's not the and Kirk Cousins, same type of situation. Again, they got a new head coach now, maybe different play style from Zimmer, obviously defensive-minded guy, moving to an offensive-minded guy who worked under Sean McVay, maybe takes them in a whole new another stratosphere. But in terms of the quarterback play that we've already seen, guys, outside of Rodgers and Stafford, it's an equal playing field. And especially in the guys, as Giants fans, we know in the NFC East, this is a very, very winnable division with a Carson Wentz behind center. It is. Yep. It just is. Yeah. Well, the NFC East is a very winnable division with Daniel Jones behind center. So that's not really – I can't really put a whole lot of like weight into that statement. Every year, no matter what it is, the NFC East is a crapshoot. At the end of the day, anyone could truly win that division. And I don't have a whole lot of faith in the Cowboys. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the Cowboys. Uh, but besides that, at least you guys can agree with me there too. Uh, the Cowboys suck and they always will. My girlfriend mm. won't like to hear me say that. Um, but I say to her enough where it's kind of the truth at this point. Um, but the, Carson Wentz doesn't really – yeah, you could you can win the division with him. You're not going to win a playoff game with him and with his Washington football team. They could have won the division with Taylor Heineke. They could have won the division with Fitzpatrick. 
it, it, Carson Wentz doesn't really elevate you at all. I mean, you take a look at their Super Bowl odds. They were before this trade, they're a plus 5,000. After the trade, they're plus 5,000. This doesn't do this. This isn't a, a up and down movement. This is a this is a lateral. This mm-hmm. is a lateral. And they have a lot more issues than just quarterback. This might be a very small band-aid on what's truly going on, but I for the val for the cost to bring Carson Wentz in, it's really not worth it when there are still a couple, I guess, decent free agents on the market. Jameis Winston is going overlooked way too much. And he's also coming off a torn ACL. That's a huge factor. He's still better than Carson Wentz, though. I mean, we'll see, right? He was good underneath a Sean Payton. Who's to say he'll be good underneath any other coach? That's kind of why people are alluding to the fact he's going to return to the Saints. Not because Sean Payton's there, but because we know that it worked in that system. That'd be a dub for, for the Saints of his. Jameis Winston is a legitimate starting quarterback in this league. And that I've been riding with him. For, for a little bit now, ever since he cleaned up that LASIK, we've seen <laughs> – I know that's a, that's a nice meme. Rating. I know that's a meme, but we've seen a legitimate difference it's, it's in Jameis since yeah, then, which is yep. crazy. No. The, the meme has come to fruition, um, but it, th- this move just doesn't mean – in terms of talent on the field, this move means nothing for me, um, for the Washington football team. It's They're not in a, a better position now. They're not in the worst position. They're still just – I'm oh, sorry, I said I still say Washington football team that commanders um still have yet to take command of even their own front office. So until they can get that situation uh, squared away, still the team, um it I, I they're just irrelevant. They're irrelevant. I d I don't disagree. What I think that you what you've done is essentially Ross, what you said is it's a band-aid. But all I'm saying is that I think it's enough to win in the NFC mm-hmm. in terms of, I think they could win the division. They have a good draft. They have a good free agency. They can win the division. That's how bad the division is. We all know we've all seen it. That's why it's been a revolving door of who's it's crowned to take this year. In fact, just last year we saw it was historically the worst division in NFL history because nobody wanted to win it. It seemed like towards the latter part of the season. So it's very winnable. It's very winnable on top of the fact where I agree it's a bandaid. We know next year's class in terms of quarterback play is way better. So I agree with that. I agree with that. I think this is the Band-Aid for this year because not that many great quarterback prospects, but next year there is. But well, if you're going to move on next year, eventually. you should just roll with Heineke. I don't know if you could come back as a as a Washington football fan and roll it back with Heineke. Well, let me ask you this. If you're a Washington football team fan, right, or commander fan, my bad. If you're a commander's fan, right, after what you saw from Heineke this past season, are you really happy as a fan saying, oh, yeah, we're going to run it back with him again? In terms of cost, and so between him and Carson Wentz, in terms of cost, and you're if you're if they're doing what you really says, just kind of waiting year for the next draft class. Well, you, you might as well tank because you're you might win your division. You're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs. Winning the NFC East doesn't mean anything. It's like winning a participation trophy in in is a youth player. All right, it. There's no value in winning that division. <laughs> like the, the, there's better while the, the last the seventh seed is better than anyone that that division can produce. Even the eighth seed might be better than anyone that division can produce. So it means nothing to me. You might as well just tank. The value is not worth it. At the end of the day, the value is just not there. They're they're 
selling it a loss right now. Like in terms of the, their stocks, they're in the red. Mm-hmm. Carson Wentz is it, he's not it. Guys, I'm going to throw to you, but first, we have a ongoing conversation between Tom and, and Noah <laughs> in the comment section, just absolutely blasting this Washington football team. Um, wow, holy wow, got a lot to get to. Uh, <laughs> Washington have, having to settle for Carson Wentz. At, oh, we, 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 we did that one already. We did that one. I know. I just want to see it again. Um, <laughs> it's great. The mighty Jacksonville Jaguars humiliated Carson Wentz. Eagles fans are elated. Carson Wentz can throw them passes again. Uh, the Colts are still desperately trying to fix Luck retiring. That roster with Luck under center would have a Super Bowl by now. Yeah. Not even a doubt in my mind. I agree with you 100%. Agreed. At least uh, make it. Carson Wentz can throw passes to the Eagles again twice a year. Ha, ha, ha. Uh, no, Washington keeping a piece on that defense. That was absolutely lights out last year. Yeah. Um, I think that was a I think that was a sarcastic comment. Okay. And that Chase okay. Young only played half the season and he and he wasn't that great when he played. Um so. and by lights oh there you go. And by oh, lights okay. out, I mean okay. the lights exploded and they're stuck in internal darkness. There we go. We need a part two. <laughs> Say what we want about Kirk Cousins, but I haven't seen anyone since he left there that makes me say dumping him was a good decision. You're, I agree with you. Remember when the conversation was there's no way Kirk Cousins deserves all that money? Yeah. And now you're seeing, well, you haven't found his replacement yet. Um, the NFC outside of the West is an embarrassment to football. Uh, Tom, what is, what is banter for Kirk Cousins and support? Hey, no, Kirk Cousins is a top five quarterback in the NFC. Imagine if he was there now. That's true. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's, that's true due to the depths and levels that the NFC has taken in terms of quarterback play. Um, whatever Wentz won't win you games, he's injury prone. They better wrap him up in bubble wrap. Holy crap. Guys, the comments are exploding. Oh, uh, Let's see. Oh, now it just goes into Mets commentary. Now right. we don't. We don't need to. We don't need to highlight <laughs> yeah, yeah. that. We don't need to highlight that. But guys, any final thoughts on this Carson Wentz trade before we wrap up the segment here? Yeah. Yay. This Yay. this trade has kept Congrats. you guys speechless from what I'm from what I'm. Okay, right you now. um you you improve your quarterback and you you're you're the best of the worst. Okay, what do you what do you want me to give you a trophy? Okay, cool. The participation trophy. Yes, please. It's probably the only trophy Dan Steiner will ever see. Or, yeah, actually, no. The other example I was thinking besides Noah when they got Carson with the other funny example I was thinking of besides Noah when he said the going from Ferrari to the soccer mom station wagon would be like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer really wanted that fancy RV that had like all everything you could want it, and then he takes the crappy one and they go camping with it. Oh man, good stuff, guys. Good stuff. But Love I think we're franchise. slated. We're, we're we're slated for a very very entertaining off season, to say the least. Especially in the NFL, where you don't see that much tremendous movement. But we've already seen within the first couple of days that we've seen some great stuff, and we hope it continues on to next week. But Ross, thank you again, man, for coming on. But before we let you go, make sure to plug in where our listeners can find you at. Yeah, you can call me a Gladiator Fisher because all I do is plug. Um, my name is Ross, <laughs> of course. <laughs> I am man that runs. I'm glad that you thought that was funny. I, I was curious to see how that played. It sounded good in my head. Obviously, it didn't. It played out fairly well. Um, 
Of course, I'm the head guy over at Fourth Long Radio. You can find all of our stuff. The best way to find it is um, our website. That's at thefourthandlong.com. You could stream everything from there directly. We're all over Instagram and Twitter. I have no life and I have way too much time on Twitter. So you can find us at Fourth Long Radio. Um, like I said, there's my proof of two weeks ago with my um, Carson Wentz to the commander statement and way too accurate because it was more than just him going. Oh, I, I feel so bad for my Washington fans, man. But like, you can you, feel good though, man. You can feel good about your team. So it's okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. First no, well, yeah. I, I feel I I feel pretty damn good about Russell Wilson. There you go. There's that smile. <laughs> to say the least, face. man. As long uh, Wilson is time for a new era in Denver, so you guys better stick around for that and watch out because the Broncos are Super Bowl contenders now. now I'm not just saying that as bias. They legitimately are one of the best teams in the AFC. So I'm actually excited to see what they can do this year, but. Fellas, it's always a blast uh, chalking it up with you guys, and um, I'll I'll keep my fingers crossed that the Giants find the quarterback soon. <laughs> Maybe like, no. d- don't I wouldn't hold my breath, but you guys got this. Are right? you can't mess up worse than the Commanders did, so you got that going for you. We'll see what happens, man. But Ross, thank you as always, man, for joining us, and uh, we'll be talking come draft time, come off season time in terms of what your Denver Broncos do. Cause I know they're going to be extremely relevant when it comes to playing football games in next January, because they will be a playoff team and they will be a contender for sure. Without a doubt. I need to give myself another one of these hats for the next Super Bowl. <laughs> Ross, thank you as always, man. And have a great rest of your night. All right, guys, that was Ross Allen of Fourth and Long Radio talking some Denver Broncos with us. As always, we thank Ross for joining us, chalking it up, talking some football with us. But, guys, moving on to the next segment, we're going to talk about players who were tagged yesterday and who were not tagged yesterday, obviously the franchise tag. The deadline for that was yesterday. And not that many, I I, want to say, surprises in terms of names not being tagged. Obviously, you had your – Big names like a Chris Godwin, you knew that was going to happen. Devontae Adams, um, Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys, I thought maybe he would hit free agency, but he didn't. Uh, Mike Isecki got tagged. But what, from what you guys saw yesterday transpire, I, I guess you. my question would be, who may have been your biggest surprise that did not get tagged or, or who did get tagged? Hank, I'll, I'll throw to you first. I think uh, Mike Gazicki was probably one of those names that definitely surprised me. I mean, I know he was decent for the Dolphins, but I didn't think they'd want him that badly enough to tag him. So that's mine. James, what about you, man? I'm, I'm with Hank, honestly. I mean, you think that the Dolphins were in a different place, but they bring back him. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense, in my opinion. No, listen, it was it was definitely interesting to see. I, I understand your guys' point of view in that, you know, Gusecki, well, he didn't have the most tremendous of years last year. I think that when we all break down the Miami Dolphins and, and the addition of Mike McDaniel, who's an offensive-minded guy, to this team, you got to surround your quarterback with some weapons and, and a Mike Gusecki, who's not a bad tight end whatsoever. you got to have some weapons out there if you really want to see uh, some progression in your quarterback play because we know down there, it's Jalen Waddle, and that's about it right now. That's it. Yeah, that's about it. Um, you know, Devontae Parker is a great player. 
never really healthy. Albert Wilson has not been healthy for them. Will Fuller, who I think signed a one-year deal, was injured all last season. Their running back uh, position was a turnstile, and they have one of the worst offensive lines in football. So I think that getting yourself some nice position uh, position players and retaining a Gusecki is very, very good for this team. But, guys, some, some guys that didn't get the tag yesterday that I don't want to say aren't surprising, but these are some big-name guys to look out for. A Marcus, uh, a Marcus May of the New York Jets, um, a Marcus Williams of the New Orleans Saints, an Allen Robinson of the Chicago Bears, two big-name safeties on the market, and a big-name wide receiver who I think – Allen Robinson has been so highly underrated throughout his career because he's had some of the worst quarterbacks and some of the worst offenses that have been in football since he's entered the league, whether it's with his days with Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars and then transitioning to the Chicago Bears with a uh, Mitchell Trubisky, who I think is a good player, just was in a terrible system with uh, Matt Nagy and a Nick Foles and a uh, Justin Fields in his rookie season and Andy Dalton. The guy's kind of gotten the raw end of the stick, but we talk about some of these guys landing with some of the better teams. I think they could be putting themselves in really good positions, especially with the addition of Allen Robbins, because now with some of these tags that we've seen go across the board, like a Devontae Adams and a Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, as far as I'm concerned, I could be missing somebody. He could be the best receiver left on the market right now. Yeah, no, Allen, Allen Robinson was another guy I would have expected, but been a lot of unpredictability out there you know you're right you're you're absolutely right i mean we'll see what happens uh kind of just want to highlight some of the bigger names in terms of what happened yesterday um obviously as the franchise tag deadline did end yesterday um but we'll see what happens come next wednesday i think that's what all football fans are kind of waiting for is the the big days to transpire uh when we see some of the bigger names get moved around and free agency opens up i I know it's definitely one of my favorite times of the year uh, to see what your team does in the off season and really get excited, get moving into the draft and really get excited for the next season to happen. A couple comments to get to. Um, let's see. Uh, Mike is Mike is Travis Beckham. Gosh, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Uh, really guys. Gusecki's one of the better tight ends in the league. Excellent hands. Agreed, Tom agreed. And that's why I don't, obviously they didn't let him walk. And I think it would have been, dumb of them to let them walk. In fact, that's probably been one of their better draft picks the last couple years uh, that they've hit on. Um, not a franchise tag, but $20 million annual average for Mike Williams is a massive contract for just a pretty good receiver. That was another, I don't want to say surprise, but what I noticed, I, Hank, I don't know if you noticed this, but as soon as Russell Wilson got traded to the Denver Broncos, it was reported literally five minutes later that Mike Williams got this deal from the Chargers. So, Everybody's suiting up in that AFC West to take on the big dogs now because that's going to be a very competitive division. Oh my! Yeah, no, I I did see that. It's like it's like an arms race, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, an arms race essentially. Kaseki has improved every year. Um, let's see, Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper. Well, Amari Cooper hasn't officially been released yet. That's the plan. Um. But we'll see. Maybe they're able to magically restructure his contract because I think that we could agree that's an untradeable contract. But we'll see what happens. He hasn't officially been released yet, so I don't want to jump the gun with anything just yet. But, again, we'll see what happens. Uh, A couple more comments to get to. James had to regain his composure over those Mets comments. That's exactly what James is doing right now as he returns 
What am I doing with the Mets comments? You had to leave and regain your composure with all those Mets comments that we yeah. had in the comment section. Considering uh, if I'm going to be able to watch the Mets game this year. So yeah, Mets well, haven't lost. Yeah, the, I was. Uh, Mets haven't lost the game yet, so that's a win. Ah, hmm. uh, the banter, the banter. But Hank, kind of a nice transition into your forte, my friend. And I know something that I'm missing out on is hitting for the cycle, and it's because of the MLB right now. Uh, is the lockout. How do you think I'm feeling? I'm the one that's that's hosting that show. I think you are. I think you are ecstatic and in the wrong way, ecstatically mm-hmm. angry. If, if that if that makes sense. But Hank, the MLB lockout. Like wrong. Okay. The, thank you. The MLB lockout or the MLB, excuse me, came out with a new statement today that, or at least Rob Manfred did, that they will be canceling games now all the way till I believe April 14th. I yes. think the new deadline is for when the season will progress. Um, but the days, the hours, the weeks seem to be going by. And Hank, what is your what are your thoughts on this recent news? Again, it's it's pretty much the same exact thing over and over again. Like, you know, all of this essentially, if you really look at the big picture, it's crying over spilt milk. And that's like a couple a couple extra like a million dollars over like a new more of like wages and obviously look you could obviously we know the players are getting like too like you know too unrealistic with their demands but at the same time let's not act like the owners i see the players are getting more and more more blame and i'm not saying that's wrong but again let's not forget that these owners are like the greed of the owners is what got us into this mess and also, a certain commissioner who shall remain nameless, siding with them and not really helping matters in his own way, isn't really making anything better. I pretty much covered a lot of what I wanted to say over this about a week ago, and I'll probably have more to say as time goes on. But with, with that having been said, let me talk a little bit about some of the new rule changes, because Noah, Noah brought that up. Banning the sh- I agree with that. Wanting to ban ban the shift really is embarrassing. You like, essentially, it's like you're getting rid. It's like if the NFL got rid of a certain defensive scheme. You know what I mean? Like, if you wanted to like, if you wanted to like limit the shift to a certain way, fine, I get that. But to ban it entirely, that's an absolute joke. Improving the size of the bases, I don't really know what that's going to do, and. That's I'm just sorry. I, I guess that just what is, all that would essentially do was increase teams on base percentage, right? I would assume that'd be it. Well, maybe, but again, I don't really. I just think it's like it's 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 just a ridiculous idea. And then there's the idea that a pitch clock will speed up the game. What do people not get? Like a pitch count in theory sounds like a good idea like a pitcher like would have less time to warm up but at the same time pitchers will sometimes take a while or batters will sometimes take a while to get ready how is that going to speed up the game i don't get it it's not but, just like when they thought I, that uh the new extra innings rule would, would, would do something or putting a uh a man on second base is it's it's they've and come yet up you're with... still seeing games go like 15 16 innings yeah but Hank, okay. I thought they already implemented a pitch clock or a They did, clock. but they're having like a, a stricter like pitch count. Pitch count or pitch, pitch clock? A pitch clock. Sorry, I, I can't even talk right now. I'm okay. so disgusted. 
<laughs> no, I only asked because pitch count is that. Yeah, you know, yeah, no, okay. you're right. Thank you. Good catch, Dan. Sorry. But here's Pretty a good. here's a statement from the uh, Major League Baseball Players Association. Uh, the owner's decision to cancel additional games is completely unnecessary. After making a set of comprehensive proposals to the league earlier this afternoon and being told substantive responses were forthcoming, players have yet to hear back. Players want to play, and we cannot wait to get back on the field for the best fans in the world. Our top priority remains the finalization of a fair contract for all players, and we will continue negotiations toward the end, toward that end. Um, these are just my quick thoughts. I've talked to a lot of baseball fans because I, I am a Yankees fan, obviously, but but baseball, just the, the trend in which it's going the last couple of years, I I don't think baseball is going to be a 162-game season for much longer, guys, anymore. I, I, don't, I don't think that it's going to be that because they keep on trying to nitpick at the little things and saying uh, these are the things that's going to help to improve the sport and keep people interested. I think people are not as interested because the amount of games and the amount of time where you say to yourself, Hank, we were talking about earlier. What my side, what my opinion is, is I don't think that the owners necessarily care about games in April because I don't think a lot of fans besides maybe diehard baseball fans care about it as much, especially well, in the Northeast on. where the, especially Mets in the fans do because well, that's, I mean, that's yeah, the, that's when they play their best baseball. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, with the north uh, being in the northeast we've seen it guys it's not the best weather for baseball it's it's not where the best baseball is necessarily played and i think that it's going to come down to a cutting down of games i I really do believe that i'm not saying it's going to happen this year even though we've seen games uh, again the games that they've lost i don't think they're going to be able to repeat them or or try to make them up i don't think that's going to be the case i think whatever we've missed that's what it's going to be but that's what essentially I think they're going to have to do, especially with the fact that now, Hank, I don't know if this has been truly implemented. I know it's been talked about. Aren't they talking about implementing an expanded playoffs in the MLB once again? So, like, if you do that and you have a 162-game season, where is the competition in the sport to be intriguing from the months of April to the month of October? Like, And this is me asking to a true baseball fan, what is intriguing – about a, what is that, six-month-long season of 162 games where owners have blatantly shown that games in the beginning of the year don't even matter. And then you expand the playoffs to really eliminate a- any true competition in the game. Oh, my gosh. that's It's so ridiculous. Like, it sent, you know what that essentially sends a message? You know what message that's, just, that's essentially sending? It's like, what? okay, you're getting a participation trophy. More teams in the playoffs. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's such a terrible idea. It's not even funny. Like, yeah, I know we had in the American League, you had the Blue Jays being like one game back of that second wild card spot. But if you really get to like what, what would it be? 14, 16 teams, then, then we're looking at an overkill here. Because yeah. the way I see it with the playoff format, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, you, you know, like, sure, maybe you could make the wild card format like a two out of three series. I get that. But at least that means by winning the division, you earn the right to avoid the mystery box slash crapshoot that is the wild card game. So 
in that sense, I really don't have a problem with the way baseball's playoffs were like structured. Not that and- I. I thought it was. I thought it was one of the better formats in sports. Mm-hmm. I just think that now, what and baseball now is kind whole, of falling. Like, what baseball is kind of falling victim to is that of, if you want to lower the season, just do it. Don't beat around the bush. Don't go. Oh, let's expand the playoffs, or oh, let's keep this lockout going. If you really want to lower the season, just just lower the season. Don't like, don't put the shit on us. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, th- I think this is where you know baseball has kind of fallen victim in a sense because they're like the last of the party, right? Because the NFL has expanded the playoffs. Yeah, basketball is to the point where even if you're subpar, like there's teams the that that you're going to make what they call a play-in, so it's sort of a Lakers. playoff spot or chance to get a playoff spot. So unless you are absolutely atrocious, you're going to make the playoffs. And then in hockey as well, Hank, didn't they? Did hockey expand the playoff too, or no? They didn't no. change their playoff. They no, have not honey. changed their playoff rules, so they're not. No, they only the really party. expanded during the bubble, but at during that, the bubble. But that but, made sense, though. Yeah, of course, and that was different. So, in a sense, the NHL is uh, the MLB is is trying to propose this similar idea, but I don't think this idea works. In terms of competition, no. when you have as many games as you are being played, no. because like like I've alluded to, and, and we've kind of all alluded to, in terms of when we talk about baseball, when especially when it comes to the show, how many times have we said these th- this same phrase out of each and every one of our mouths, where it's like, oh, we had a terrible July, but we still have August, September, There's, and October yeah. to recover. Like when you have that much leeway to have a whole, forget about you know, you look at the NBA, you look at the. NFL especially. NFL, you have one crappy week. That puts you out of the playoffs. You look at the NBA, you have one, two crappy weeks. That puts you out of everything. You look at the Brooklyn Nets, they have completely crumbled in terms of winning. Now, again, when they get healthy, everybody thinks they're going to be there. But in terms of standings right now, they're all the way at the bottom of the East in the eighth seed right now, Who what we projected to be a top one or two seed. Granted, they've been through a lot, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Now you look at the MLB, it's like there's no motivation to even be competitive. Because we already knew you had all the leeway in the world to have multiple bad weeks including maybe even a whole bad month and still being able to recover now you have that option to be as bad as you could be and then and then you're gonna make the playoffs either way because of the expansion upon the playoffs i just don't get it i don't get how that makes the game better all i see when i hear these things is dollar signs and it makes me annoyed as a fan of sports let alone baseball because the whole reason why this sport is on a uh, hiatus right now is because of dollar signs. And yep. I'm not taking the side of the players. I'm not taking the side of the owners. I, I disagree in a sense with both parties, uh, more so with the owners, because like I've alluded to, I, I think we've kind of all seen as fans of the sport is that they're okay with just throwing away an entire month of the season. But what is that supposed to say to your fans? You know, what is that supposed to say to your fans? Cause I'll ask this question. I want to throw to a couple comments first, but and then I'll ask this question to you guys, and then we'll kind of move on to the next topic of discussion because we got a lot of comments here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, where do I want to go to? It's illogical not to shift if a guy hits it to one side fifty percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrong. That's today's baseball. That's why it's first, second, shortstop, third base. Geez. It'll be interest. It'll be interested. Interesting to see what your opinion is when a pull hitter hits it to the same gap dozens of times and get uh, and get weak hits because the defenders can't move at all. Uh, should be allowed. The shift 
has existed for 100 years. People only care now because pull hitters are far more common in today's game than they ever used to be. Strikeout, walk, or home run is the MO for many players. Uh, soft hits. What about balls that are bullets and are outs because of five guys on one side? I have been watching baseball 45 years. The shift has been used in the last 10. Hard outs aren't exclusive to the shift. Uh you should watch closer than you ne- you ever wonder why you see so many no hitters recently um, because players don't care about striking out three times if it means they hit a home run. I mean, they, all these points are true. I, I think part of the reason why you see a lot of no hitters and then kind of baseball came down on that as well is because players were using the, stick, uh, the sticky substance. Once they kind of came down on that, you went from having six no hitters in like the first month and a half of the season. So I don't think another pitcher had one for the remainder of the year. So – I think that's a big fact as well. But, guys, kind of how I want to wrap up this segment, talk about quickly. Again, nobody has this answer, but just your guys' take based on what we've all come to the conclusion with is that baseball I don't think is going to be back next week. I don't think it's going to be back the week after that. So my question to you guys is when does baseball return? Because we still got to remember there are 300-plus free agents left on the market that have yet to find a team, and then there's a lot of great talent out there nonetheless. There is a whole spring training that is going to have to be completely rushed, but you're going to have to have one so players get acclimated to their new teams and teams get back into baseball shape because, unfortunately, with a lockout, teams can't communicate with the players they already have, let alone the players they're trying to acquire in free agency. So my question to you guys, it is March 9th today. I don't think baseball comes back till the end of June, beginning of July. What is your guys' take? I mean, look, I originally was thinking like maybe Memorial Day weekend, early June, but I think the way things are going right now, that might be a little too optimistic. I mean, let let me put it this way. If we got like, say, three-fourths of a normal season, if I'm doing my math correctly, I I think even that's wishful thinking. So I'm... I don't know. The optimistic side wants me to say late May, early June, but I feel like it's going to be more like a little bit later than that, probably like the middle or middle of June or something. So you say three, four. So that's about 120 something games. So that means about 40 missed games you think is going to happen. Yeah. And even then, I think we'd be we'd still be lucky to even get to that point. Again, like I said, that's my optimistic side, like realistically i'm thinking maybe more like mid to late june yeah no i i listen i i agree with that james your take uh, when do you think everybody has this optimism that baseball will return i mean we don't even know i don't think that there will be i don't think there won't be a season but if players can't come to an agreement it's just you come into question and say to yourself well when does it become the limitation where do you say to yourself like is it really worth it to have all a 60, uh, an 80 game season. Is that really what it's going to come down to? You know what I mean? Cause if I'm talking July is when they return, that only gives you the leeway of having what an 80 to hundred game season. Yeah. Is baseball going to be okay with that? Who knows? Mm, my thinking is if they do start up, they'll start up July 4th. July 4th. Um, and, but right now the way these Chalks have gone. I don't think there's a season, guys. They've already put in place millions of dollars to cover um, salaries and payroll for all the employees that would be working spring training. 
eventually that's going to roll over into the regular season because think about how many employees just alone in in New York that we live in work at City Field or Yankee Stadium think about all those people we don't you got we don't all think about how many people in that stadium actually employs but think about that and then think about that times every stadium in the country i don't think there's a season and i well, think that's what, yeah and that's i think Unfortunately, some of these signings that the Mets did earlier on is a waste. But that's I mean, listen, opinion. we'll we'll see what happens. I think that yeah. I think that you're gonna you're gonna see because of those reasons, James, that eventually something will get done. Yeah, because owners. Be I mean, done. if owners if owners are not agreeing to new deals because they don't want to play the pet players' money, you think they really want to have to play uh, pay employees that that for? Well, for games I don't that think that I don't think the owners are part of the. Hank, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think the owners are part of this paying employees. I think it's the players. I, I think, think the I players think... decided that they're going to put. Oh, the players are doing this. Oh, I so believe then I don't so. even. I don't even know them. No, it's. I think. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Oh, that's. I didn't know that. So now mm-hmm. I, let me refrain from my uh, retract my statement. That's. That is not a good look for baseball. Mm-hmm. Um. Be ready for many injuries this season with all the cancellations. Yeah, yeah we saw that in the COVID season as well. In those 60 mm-hmm. games, a bunch of players were hurt. Uh, baseball cannot afford another canceled season. It gets done for sure. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But at what time, who knows? We don't have yeah, the answers. But my projection, I would say late June, early July, I would say. Because that still leaves you for somewhat of a okay season with 100 games potentially. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But, guys, rounding out the night here with some hockey. James, as, as Islander fans, it is it has not been the greatest of seasons, to say the least, especially with the height and lengths in which they reached the last couple years. Yep. Um, but just kind of a quick roll through of what they've done the last week, last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. It's kind of been a continuation of, of just the entirety of the season, really. Uh, we've seen just in the month of March, they are one and three. They are losing numerous games in regulation, not even getting a point, whether it goes to an overtime or a shootout. Yeah. It is a, it, it's not a good season. It's a, no. it's a very, very, very bad season right now. And it's a really disappointing season too. They've had, I know in the Colorado game, this past one, because they played them twice, I believe, in the last week. This past one, the latest one, they were tied in the first period, played a great second period. Third period comes out. They give up four goals in less than four and a half minutes. And I'm and I'm sitting there saying to myself, it's like, I get it, Colorado's probably the best team in the NHL right now. Yeah. Uh, have one of the best defenses, lethal offense, pretty good goaltending, really good coaching. But come on, man. Come on. And then they come back, and then they just they snatch your heart. They, they, they go on their own little goal run. They, they, they score three straight at the end to reach within a 5-4 victory and can't get the job done. Nope. And it's just – it's been the storyline all year. They continue to lose. They continue to fall short. They continue to leave stadiums, including their own, without points in the point section. And at this point in time, if I'm not mistaken – in the wild card, because that's what we're looking at right now, 
They are 21 points out of the second wild card spot. So we're not going anywhere. No. This year. No. Which unfortunately not. Is this team can be a team that could be and this team can be all over you know how they do um segments of teams that were really good last year and then fell flat uh face fell flat on their face this season. Yeah. That's your that's our Islanders. Dead serious. <laughs> It's, it's, it's so, it's so depressing. It's so sad, especially when you break it down. You see these Hanks smiling from year to year. When you, when you see, when you see how this team was a shorthanded goal away in a game seven from going to the finals, which I think everybody has come to the conclusion that they would have beat the Montreal Canadiens last year. Oh, we would have whooped them. We would have whooped them. I'm so sad. So sad. But moving on, moving on to some brighter notes. Not necessarily makes me happy, not necessarily makes James happy, but makes Tom Scavetta and Hank and Dicta very happy. Is the weren't they New just York. at a game together? They were at a yes, Hank, before we, we before we get into it, talk about that game a little bit. That was a lot of fun. You know, the Rangers were playing a hated rival in the New Jersey Devils, and the one thing that we knew was gonna happen during the game was every single time he touched the puck because of a certain incident that happened months ago pk suban was gonna get booed and i must say as i expected they booed the living shit out of him it was epic and it was a sellout too it was there was an announced crowd of like what eighteen thousand six fans every single game at the garden because you you guys know how often i go to these games like it is becoming a playoff atmosphere i think more and more people are coming into the games as the Rangers are playing hot. And I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun, but I'm not going to say that I don't have my own concerns about the Rangers. Cause believe me, I do. It's been a great, you know, what, 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 what do we say? Like a stretch of like a few weeks. The one oh, it's, been, it's is, been great the entire season. I'm just pointing, I'm just pinpointing the recent stretch of games. Uh-huh. So they have gone, let's take a look. You had the the Winnipeg game, you had the Devils game, you had the Pittsburgh game, the Capitals game, the Senators game. So they have essentially, since that that two-week break, the Rangers in nearly every single game that they played have only given up one goal or less. And the only games where they give up more more than two goals are the games that Alexander Georgiev starts. That includes last night's blowout loss to the Minnesota Wild, which, you know, it is what it is. Like, I, the Rangers were due to have a bad game. If you watch the team, they they play a little bit differently when Alexander Georgiev starting as opposed to when, when Igor starts. Because when Igor starts, like, you have a chance. Like, you could be down 2 or 3 nothing in a game, but, like, he'll make those big saves. You're, ne- you're never out of a game when Igor Shesterkin starts. However... That being said, he's carrying the Rangers thus far. I mean, you look at his numbers. I said I made a video a couple weeks ago. The title was Igor for Igor for Vezina. I think he could very well. He's in the conversation for the Hart Trophy too. I would. That's how like a lot of the games that they've won. He's carried them. Like 
And whenever he gives up a goal, like even in the game, he gives up a goal. It, you still have the feeling that it was a shutout because more often than not, Igor made like 40 saves. And if you want to know a crazy stat, he has yeah. not lost a game when he saved 40, 40 or more. He, when he's had 40 or more saves, he has not lost a game. So in a sense, that gives me a little bit of hope for the playoffs because, you know, look, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, this isn't sustainable, which look, I don't necessarily disagree with that notion entirely that you can't necessarily ride a goalie in the playoffs. I mean, look, I, I lived through the Henrik Lundqvist years. I remember 2012 through 2015, Henrik pretty much carried the Rangers through the regular season, but then the team got burned out because they didn't necessarily have enough depth to carry them to that Stanley cup. But with that being said, if you look at a lot of games in the Stanley cup playoffs, more often than not, you're going to get the two-to-one games or the three-to-one games with the fluky goalie. So if there's a, if the Rangers advance, win a playoff series or two, then Igor is going to be a big reason. Let's be real. Now, with that being said, let me talk about a few players that have been – that have caused kind of a bit of concern for me. Number one, I have to mention Adam Fox. Adam Fox has had a little bit of a drop-off in his performance. I mean, you're still getting – a point or two, but game or a game for him. But I've noticed teams have been challenging him. He's had a little bit of a slow step. He's been on the ice for a few goals. So I, I think the big question for Adam Fox is, is this guy, is he playing hurt or is it, is this just the effect of the grind of the season? I mean, he did come back. He did have an upper body injury where he missed a good amount of time. So I think the answer to that, could be both. And you guys have looked at the reports after the Stanley cup playoffs and how many guys have come back and admitted that they've played hurt. So I wouldn't necessarily be shocked. I think over the course of the next few months, I think Gerard Gallant would probably be wise to maybe like reduce his ice time. I mean, you have a young guy named Braden Schneider. I think one way you could do that, let him play the power play. Cause Adam Fox, or I'm sorry, the penalty kill rather. Let him kill penalties. Adam Fox is like more of like an offensive defenseman. Can play defense too, but I think you also have a few young defensemen like Braid, Braden Schneider and Zach Jones to play there. So I think I think that might be one concern, especially if the if you get to the playoffs and he's not at 100%, then you're in real really big trouble. Because besides Igor Shosturkin, Adam Fox is like probably one of the more valuable players in the Rangers. And let me talk about the other guy that I think is a very big key to their success. That's Artemi Panarin. And he's only scored one goal over the past, probably since the All-Star break. And that was an empty net goal pretty recently. So when he, if he's not producing, I mean, look, maybe it's because of the lack of forward depth, but I also saw an article that said that, that stated that he's not happy with the system of Gerard Gallant. Again, I'm not really a fly in the locker room. I have no clear idea what, as to what the answer is, but, I do think the Rangers probably will have to address the right wing depth if they truly do want to make some noise come playoff time. But, you know, again, I think we'll really find out the answer because if they get help and if he doesn't produce, then that could be the difference between them going home early and them making a deep playoff run. But anyways, those are all the points that I really want to talk about the Rangers. I think as far as the deadline goes, I think maybe they can – they can try to strike a deal for extra wing depth. I would love to get a Riley Smith, especially if the if the Vegas Golden Knights can get Marcus um, Mark Stone back. 
from his injury. You know that they have cap problems. Remember, they just traded for Jack Eichel. Yeah, so. I was going to say, mm-hmm. Riley Smith might be the odd man out because they have to clear up $10 million for a uh, yeah. Jack Eichel. If they got Riley Smith, that would be huge. The question is, how much would, be, would they be giving up for him? Because there's a lot of young depth in in their minor league systems and i think that's the big thing that's that's concerning everybody are are you going to mortgage your future just to win a cup and to be honest with you i see both sides of this argument because for one thing if you're gonna if you want to go for the cup like you know you have you have the talent on the team where you can do so you have chris Kreider who's who has a 38 goal total even with artemi panera not getting as many goals as we're used to seeing he's still getting a lot of points. Like, I think it's just a matter of getting him like other playmakers to surround him. Yeah. So you, you have the talent. Like, I don't think it's out of the question. And at the same, at the same time, like you have guys like the Brendan Othmans and the, I think it's pronounced Kyle. He's a defenseman. Will, or I'll. Nils Lundqvist. No, there's there's another guy, Cully, in the minor leagues. Nils Lundqvist is another guy you could potentially be losing. Yeah, and then there's that other Berard kid who's a defenseman. So those are just a few examples of guys that will potentially be lost. And I didn't even mention Philip Heedle, who I think is probably going to get traded anyway. Yeah, I think he's so. Been having a major drop off in production. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, to be honest, I really see both sides of the argument. If you want to go for it then it totally makes sense because nothing's guaranteed in the NHL. The Stanley nope. Cup playoffs is the hardest the hardest tournament you can get through in any single sport. And and to even go beyond hockey, like remember when people were telling me the Yankees were going to win a World Series in 2019 with all the minor league guys that they had? I know, Hank. I was I think <laughs> Basically, I think going for it kind of sends a good message to the players that they have faith in them. But at the yeah. same time, like you also want to be careful with who you're going to get rid of. But I, in I, any event, go on, yeah. What were yeah, you going to yeah, say? No, I I agree with everything in which you've kind of highlighted. I, I think when I break down this team and this roster, you guys have all the talent there, which is kind of what you alluded to. You're missing some depth. Um, Igor Shesterkin's having a god season. Uh, yes. I think he has a nine four two save percentage, which is like point like. The only point zero point zero five off from tying like the best save percentage. By yeah, the only ever. goalie that's ahead of him is jo- is Jacques Plante, who, fun fact, he was the first goalie to, <clears throat> to wear a mask. Actually, so when I break this team down, when you when you break it off percentage wise, like you've alluded to, without Igor, this could be a whole different thing because oh, yeah. they are third in terms of goals given up. But in terms yeah. of every other defensive category and even offensive category, there's been something wrong with the system there, it looks like, mm-hmm. all year when I look at these numbers. They're 18th in goals actually scored, which is crazy with the amount of offensive talent that you have, that you're such middle of the pack the way that you guys are. You are 30th in terms of the shots that you guys have per game, which, is again, crazy to me with the amount of talent that you guys have on the ice. You guys mm-hmm. continue to not be so great at the faceoff. That's been the storyline oh, throughout yeah, that's the us. last that's, that's been a for, for years now. And in terms of the defensive front as well, you know, Igor really being the brick wall in front of the net, you guys are 23rd in terms of shots allowed per game. So the talent is there. I think you yes. do need to add depth. Riley Smith can be great. I've advocated maybe for a Joe Pavelski, depending upon what the, at least with Dallas now, what Dallas wants to do. We'll see what happens. 
But I would love to get a Joe Pavelski too. My only concern with that is Dallas is in literally the worst place you could be when it comes to a team by the trade deadline. They're like, they're like right on the edge of the playoffs. And yeah, they're like one point out of like a uh, a third spot right now, or two points out of a third spot, and they're like the second wild card, only like three points ahead of Edmonton. Yeah, no. So it begs the question: Is Dallas willing to like sell off their players, even though they're they could potentially be in the midst of a cup run, or are they gonna like, you know, go try to go for it, keep their team together? Like, it's 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 a real conundrum that that team's in, and. I personally be, would be okay with the Joe Pavelski. My only concern is he's 37 years old. Are the Rangers going to be mortgaging too much of their future for a guy who could potentially only be there for half a season? I mean, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I think that in, in conclusion, I think they're in a really good place. I think that if it wasn't for the likes of Igor having the season that he's having, and and, and to say the least, the, the season that Chris Kreider is having is just so godly in terms of what we've seen in years prior of his capabilities. I mean, the guy, I think he had a career high of what, Hank? 28 career goals. He's at what now? 38? 27, 27 career goals? 38, and they still have what, 20-something games left in the season and he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all? So He's only one behind Austin Matthews, if I'm not mistaken, and he almost, he almost tied Austin Matthews and got two goals in the Winnipeg game. I think Matthews has 40. I know Kreider has yeah, 40. He had yeah. 39, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think that you guys are in a good position. I think you're going to be active during the trade deadline, which comes oh, up, yeah. I think, the 21st. I think you guys That's are definitely going to be active. First. I think you guys are going to be in search of depth. And I think that Gorgiev is finally going to go, and you guys are probably going to bring in a new backup goalie. If not, I think you guys will bring up Kincaid. But Yeah, it, I, w- I was going to get to that. I think I think Gorgiev is – I think we've pretty much seen the last of Gorgiev. And yeah. It stinks. I know a lot of people are like calling him a trash goalie. Like I'm kind of in the minority in this because I remember when he came up and he pretty much outperformed Henrik right at the end of his career, had that 55 win or that 55 save win against the Maple Leafs, for example. And pretty much he was a stopgap. But at the end of the day, I think I pretty much knew how good Igor was since like say 2018 or 19. So I think when you really when it really comes down to that, I think he was pretty much a victim of Igor's success, and he he's too young of a goalie and he's too good of a goalie to really be in the frame of mind of a backup. So I'm not really. I think that's probably why he's struggling. But I I wish him the best, but I think they got to cut the cord with him. And whether they get another goalie at the trade deadline, who knows? But I also wouldn't be opposed to having a Keith Cade backup over the course of the rest of the season if you need to because. He's been around the block. He's at the point where, like, he's not really going to be concerned about, like, you know, wanting to be a starter elsewhere. So, yeah, I think I think that's another good point you brought up, Kyle. And we'll see what happens, Hank. We'll see what happens. I think they're going to be very – I think they're going to be very active because I think, as you alluded to as well, I, I think that they're going to go all hands in um, and really and really show because, like you alluded to, you don't know what tomorrow brings. You don't know what next season brings. you got to capitalize on the season that you're in the middle of right now. And the Rangers will be very active. But, guys, on that note, that'll do it for this edition of Review and Preview. Guys, any final words before we close out here? No, once again, Kyle, thanks for having me as as usual the past few weeks. Always a pleasure talking with both of you guys. And, James, you too. You too, man. <laughs> Always love talking to you as well. Absolutely, absolutely. James, any final notes before we close out here? 
Um, it was fun. We had a lot of banter in the group chat. Uh, group chat. Uh, comment section. <laughs> the Same comment thing section like blew sometimes. up today. We we had like, uh, we had multiple different fights. We had a couple different did, ones, which was nice. You know, I I do know Paul covered this. Today's what Wednesday. Yeah, today's right? Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I got my days all mixed up. I'm losing track Paul of the days, man. Yeah, I know. Paul covered this last <laughs> night in uh, March Madness. It's election Sundays this Sunday, guys. Yeah, this is going to be an epic next couple weeks. You got March Madness coming up. Yeah. You have NFL free agency next week. You have the NHL trade deadline. I think the twenty first, which I think is a Sunday or Monday. So you got a lot of huge things happening. You got mm-hmm. baseball either on the fringe of starting or not starting. A lot of crazy. Then you got draft coming up in at the end of April. I April. love this time of year. Love good this time, time of year. year. Good time of year. But on that note, that'll do it for this edition of Review and Preview. Everybody, thank you all for tuning in, staying consistent, commenting throughout the night, liking our page. If you like what you've seen, make sure to subscribe not only to our YouTube channel, but to our Facebook as well. Thank you all for listening. On behalf of James Montefusco, Hank and Dichter, I'm Kyle Russo. Have a great rest of your night, everybody. And we'll be back next week, same time, Wednesday, from 7 to 9 p.m. Have a great rest of your evening.